The Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union began following World War II. And in the nation of Germany, there in the city of Berlin, the city was divided into East and West Germany. The West was controlled by Allied forces. It was uh, democratic. The East was under Soviet control. And the Berlin Wall was a physical wall that separated the city and separated these, these two worlds. And throughout the Cold War, there was this constant threat of, of attack, this constant threat of, of missiles and bombs. There was this constant threat that World War III was going to break out. In fact, uh, some of you might have grown up with bomb shelters in your yard or having bomb drills when you were at school uh, when you were growing up because of this threat of the Cold War. But it was a day in which our President Ronald Reagan gave a famous speech and he called on Mikhail Gorbachev uh, of the Soviet Union to tear down this wall. This was a famous speech that he gave there. And what happened after that was that the Berlin Wall was torn down without a war, without bullets, without tanks. And there's a portion of the wall that still remains as a memorial to the past, and this sign is found on it. It reads, Many small people who in many small places do many small things can alter the face of the world. And that's the story of the Berlin Wall. And it's the story of our discipleship journey as well. Because today I want to encourage you that, that many small people in many small places can do many small things that can turn the world upside down. In fact, that's exactly what they said about Jesus' disciples. They said these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And that's our mission as the church, to turn the world upside down for the kingdom of God. So are you ready today to join in on this discipleship journey? If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Uh, and I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of the reading of God's word if you're able. We're going through the discipleship journey throughout the month of August. We've been talking about how as a church we're going to fulfill our mission to be disciples and to make disciples. We began by talking about the A group who is anyone that we want to see come to know Jesus. Anyone who lives in our city, who lives at your house, who, li who goes to school with you, who works with you. We want to see them have a relationship with the Lord. And we want to see them move into the B group, the big group, the church. We want them to become part of God's people. Last week we talked about how we, would, we want to move them into smaller groups called connect groups where you can have fellowship together, where you can study God's word together. And today we're going to talk about an even smaller group, an even smaller segment of the church that are called D groups or discipleship groups. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the word of God says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Thank you. You may be seated. Today we're going to talk about D groups, D groups, discipleship groups. And the action step for you today is this, that you would commit to join a D group for accountability in your discipleship journey. We talked about last week that 
the purpose of these connect groups was a place where you'd find fellowship, a place where you would find Bible study. The main objective of discipleship groups is accountability. And that's the first thing that I want us to see here in this passage this morning is that as you go down this pathway, you're going to find accountability in D groups. Verse 2, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what is a D group? A D group is the smallest group. This is the closest fellowship. This is the, the place of honest conversations that you have with one another. And D groups should be comprised of about three to five people. That's, that's really what you want to see in a D group because if it starts getting bigger than that, then you're not going to be as open uh, in sharing with your group. And so you want to have a small group, three to five people. Uh, and these groups would be men meeting with men, women meeting with women, and that's because you're going to share you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to, uh, to, have, to develop a, a closeness with your group that would be inappropriate with someone of the opposite sex that's not your spouse. So that's why we want to say that women should be with women, that men should be with men. And you're going to share struggles that you have. You're going to share victories that you have in this group. You're going to pray together. You're going to challenge one another in your walk with the Lord. Just consider Jesus' own ministry. We know that he would often preach to large crowds of people. Uh, the Bible tells us that on a couple of occasions he preached to 4,000 and 5,000 just men, not counting the women and children. So big crowds of people that he would that preach to on occasion. And this is like the big group. But he was also connected to uh, a smaller group of disciples, and the Bible calls them the 12. And he's, this is the, the 12 disciples that he spent a lot of time with. This is a, a group that he would um, eat together with, that he would travel together with, that he would do ministry together with. And this would be similar to like a connect group size, right? Uh, this is a group where they're, they're doing uh, things on a deeper level and interacting more with that group. But even within the 12 disciples, there was an inner group of three, right? Peter, James, and John. And that, those three men were the ones that he was the closest with. This would be like a, a D group, be like a discipleship group size. And Peter, James, and John received more attention from Jesus than anyone else. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1, it says, After six days, Jesus took... Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. This is where they saw the transfiguration. Uh, we know in Matthew 26, verses 37 and 38, he took along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who were James and John. He began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he said to them, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. This is that night in Gethsemane when he was going to be arrested. He was going to pray. And who were the ones he took, uh, took further along with him? These three guys, Peter, James, and John. And so it's important for us to have these same sorts of relationships in our life to help us to grow spiritually. And in our passage this morning, Paul is challenging Timothy to live out what he has learned 
just like what would happen inside of a D group. Because these groups are a place where we find accountability in our discipleship journey. What he says to Timothy is, the things that you have heard, commit it. Right? That's the actions that he tells them. He says, the things that you have heard from me, he says, commit them. So this is about doing what you've been learning. Now, when it comes to D groups, a lot of people have mistaken D groups for another Bible study in their life. That, like, let's get together and let's do a Bible study, or let's get together and do, uh, read this book together, or do a book study. And a group can do those things on their own, but that's not why you're coming together. The point of the D group is to make sure that you're putting into practice what you're learning. You're already involved in Bible study. That's what the C group is. That's connect group, right? That's for fellowship. That's for Bible study. The D group is for training and faithfulness. It's for taking what you've heard and committing it. And so when you're involved in the big group and in the connect group and in the, in the discipleship group, that's what it looks like for us to be disciples, That's what it looks like for us to be growing in our relationship with the Lord and to have someone who's going to come alongside of you in your discipleship journey. The problem is that a lot of times we sort of bristle at the idea of being held accountable. I mean, if we're just honest. Autonomy seems to be the highest held virtue in American culture, right? We we don't like anyone telling us what we should or should not be doing in our lives, But when you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that we die to ourselves to live for our king. So why is it that we should be held accountable? Why should we be willing to be held accountable by a small group of individuals? Because left on our own, we won't do it. Because if we're left on our own, we won't do it. I'm a part of a group of guys, me and Daryl and Jeff, who was up here at the beginning, our children's pastor, who go and work out. Now, you'd look at us, you'd never believe that, but we go work out uh, every morning of the week. We go together to gym, and, and, and we're lifting, and we're on the, the treadmills, the ellipticals, and doing all those things. Now, I want you to know that I didn't get this physique through consistent exercise, okay? Uh, and so, uh, I saw a guy that had a shirt on this week that said, this is not a dad bod, this is a father figure, okay? And so I, I kind of like that shirt, kind of how I feel sometimes. But what Jeff will do is Jeff will text us every night. I, I mean, I know, I'm laying in bed, I know it's coming. And it's, he's going to text and say, I'll see you in the morning uh, at whatever time. And we'll always say, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. We always mess with him, but we'll be there most of the time. But if Jeff's not texting us, if Jeff and Daryl aren't going to be there, I'm not getting up and going over there. And so we need accountability to keep us from straying. And I want people in my life who love me enough to call me back to Christ. And that's what a D group does. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken and any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. 
In Matthew 18, Jesus tells us in verses 15 and 16 that if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. If he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. So in both of these cases, we see this accountability taking place within this small group of individuals. And so the D group is going to say, hey, you asked us to hold you accountable to being patient with your kids. How have you done this week? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable with lust that you were dealing with in your life. Have you been looking at pornography this week? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable in wasting time. How has your time management been this week? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable in your diet. Have you been stress eating this week? And so this sort of correction, this sort of reproof can occur within the D group. And so in a negative sense, it keeps us from straying. But in a positive sense, we need accountability because it builds us into faithful men. It's not only going to stop us from straying, but it's going to build up habits of godliness in our lives. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the Bible says, Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. To provoke love and good works within one another. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. That we make one another better. And so the D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable in Bible reading. Have you been reading God's word each day? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable to scripture memory. What's, what's the verse that you're memorizing this month? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable to prayer. So have you been praying this week? Your D group is going to say, you asked us to hold you accountable to evangelism. Who have you been sharing about Jesus with? Now, people do this sort of thing all the time in the work world, right? You have student teachers that are assigned to a veteran teacher to coach them. You have athletes who have uh, seasoned veterans who push them. You have business people who will have others who will coach them. So why would we not do the same thing in our discipleship journey? Why would we not have others who are asking us hard questions to move us along in our walk with the Lord. Now, some of you may have seen on the news, it's, it's been all over the place this summer, uh, about the wandering herd of Asian elephants in southern China. Species, uh, there's about 300 left in the wild in China, and most of them are in this uh, one nature preserve in the south part of the country. And there's a group of them, about 14 of them, that wandered off the reservation. Uh, and they started migrating, and no one really knows why, but they started migrating way up north, uh, about 300 miles away. And they started going really close up into major metropolitan cities, and, and they damaged 
over a million dollars worth of crops and buildings and all sorts of things as they've been wandering around up through there. And the Chinese uh, police have been using drones and, and vehicles to try and steer them away from these areas and, and try to get them to turn around and go back down to the preserve where they're from. And eventually, after wandering about 300 miles away, they turned around and they're starting to head back. But they've been using bait and building artificial roads and all these things to try and to steer these elephants back on the correct path. There are people who surrounded them when they were off the path and helped them to get back home. And that's what a D group does for us. It keeps us on the pathway through accountability in our walk with the Lord. And so it's about finding accountability on the pathway. But the second thing that we see in our passage this morning is that it's also about multiplication. Verse 2, he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this verse outlines for us how these groups should multiply. Because in this single verse here, we see four generations of disciple making. You have Paul, who's writing to Timothy, who says, the things that you have heard from me. So that's one to two. He says, entrust them to faithful men. So you have two to three, who will be able to teach others also. So three to four. And so you see a process of discipleship that is occurring. And the strategy is that the model that Paul is implementing in Timothy's life would be replicated many times over in the lives of others. Paul never intended for Timothy to be filled up with all of this knowledge and it just end with him. And there are people in this room right now who have all of the knowledge in the world and wisdom and experience who have been walking with Jesus for years and we need you to do this. The goal was for Timothy to make lots of other Timothys. One of our church's values that's out on the wall in the atrium is to grow bigger, we have to grow smaller. And so growing bigger is about multiplication. And as we grow smaller into these smallest groups, these discipleship groups, we're intentionally developing more leaders, which allows us to multiply. So that five turns into 25, and 25 turns into 125, and if I was really good at math, I could keep going. Acts chapter 12, verse 24 says the word of God flourished and it multiplied. And that's what we want to see take place in the life of our church family. And so D groups should not be just reshuffling the cards in the deck. So if I were to take this deck of cards, I bet you didn't think your pastor was going to have a deck of cards up here this morning. If I were to take this deck of cards, how many cards are in this deck? 52, right? And if I shuffle them, and then I were to split them up into groups of three or four, like they were D groups, right, and just do that, and then at the end of the year, how many would I have? 
52 still, right? And then I took that same people and I said, hey, let's just get in different D groups. Same people, different D groups. And we do that again. I shuffle them out into groups of three or four. How many do we have at the end of that year? Still 52. Some of y'all are following along. That's good. Still 52. And so if what do I need to do here? I need to add a second deck here into the mix. And so if I were to take this second deck and add it to the first deck and shuffle them together and then split them out into groups of three and four, how many do I have now? A hundred different than 52. Is that more or less? Right, more. We have multiplied now. And if I wanted to do that again and again and again. And so we should be pulling new people into the group who then can multiply even into more groups. I think that's one of the issues that I've noticed in the four years that I've been here at Wallace is that we do a good job of reshuffling the deck. We need to add more people into the deck. And that should be happening because people are moving through the discipleship journey. They're going from the anyone group into the big group. And then they should quickly become part of a connect group and a D group. We need to incorporate them into the body. And so I'm asking you to be a leader. To be on the lookout for someone who needs to be in your D group. And for you to take initiative and ask them to join you. What I hear a lot of times is people sitting back and waiting for someone to come to you. And you've been a member of this church for 30 years. This isn't like a middle school dance where everyone's standing against the wall and nobody's dancing. Okay? Go and ask them to be a part of your group. And begin meeting with your group. And you can meet anytime. You can meet anywhere throughout the week. And as you meet, you're going to challenge one another, and you're going to spur one another on. And from the beginning of the time that the group meets, you understand that this group's going to meet for about a year. And at the end of a year, your group's going to multiply, and you're going to bring new people into the deck, new people that have become part of our church family that you want to incorporate into this discipleship-making process and keep going and keep going and keep going. One author says that you can impress from a distance, but you can only impact up close. I'm asking you to pull people in up close and really make an impact in their life. I've had some great men who have poured into my life over the years. And I would not be where I am today if these men had not spent time with me like this. And so... There came a day, a few decades later, where some of these others also were sitting around a table, and they were talking, and they were celebrating all the things that God had done in their lives, and they were able to say, there were some faithful men who committed these things to us, and Timothy committed those things to them, and Paul committed those things to him. And so what legacy are you leaving behind? What stories of the journey are you creating today? Because I want to encourage you that 
Many small people in many small places can do many small things that can turn the world upside down. And that's the mission of our church. So are you ready to join in on this discipleship journey? As we've been going through this over the last several weeks, we said the very first step in the discipleship journey is to move from the A group, anyone who who can hear this good news and believe, into the B group, into the big group, into the church. And so it might be that you're here this morning and you've never had a personal relationship with God. And I want you to know today that God loves you so much that the Bible says that he sent Jesus to the earth to die for you, to save you. That he died taking on all the sin of the world upon himself, including your sin, including my sin. He died in our place. He was put in a grave. But on the third day, he walked out of the tomb alive. And when he did that, he proved that he had conquered sin for us. He had conquered death for us. He had conquered hell for us. And that we instead could have life and forgiveness and salvation if we would believe in him as our Savior and follow him as our King. And that's the very first step in a discipleship journey is to trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be the Savior of your life. There might be this people this morning who need to make that decision in your heart. In a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing, and there's going to be leaders standing right here across the front. And if this is a decision that you want to make, then I want you to come and to share that with one of these leaders. Just come right on up and say, I need to do what the pastor was talking about. I need to begin this journey. I need to, I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness for my sins and to become a follower of Jesus today. And so if, if that's what you need to do, then I want you to come. But after you make that decision, the next step is to become part of the big group, to become part of the church. And there are people here that, that maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been coming here for a long time, but you know that this is where God wants you to be, that this is the family that he wants you to be a part of. And if that's the decision that you need to make, this is the time to make it. Come and share with one of these leaders and say, I'm ready to become part of this church. I'm ready to become part of this big group. And so we want you to come as well during this time. As we began our sermon today, we said the action step for today is that you would commit to be a part of a D group where you'll find accountability in your discipleship journey. And so today, there might be people who are in the room who are thinking, all right, it's time to, it's time to take that next step. It's time to be part of a D group. Up on the screen, you're going to see a number. Text D group. It looks just like that. Text D group to the number 865-234-3241. And when you text that number, you're going to get a text, and there's going to be two things, two links on it. The top link will say, are you looking to join a D group? And if you're saying, I've never been in a D group before, I want to become part of one, then that's the one that you click. But there are other people here who have already been in a D group, and the second link says, are you already in a D group? We want to know that. If you're already in a D group, we want you to to text this as well, because we want to know about your group. We want to know who, how long have you been meeting? Who's in your group? Are you multiplying? What's going on? We're, 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 we're doing a census, okay? We want to know what's happening uh, in D groups. And so if you'll text D group to the number as well, that helps us to know how this is going. And so this, this is the time. I'm giving you permission. Preachers always tell you to put your phones away, right? I'm telling you to get your phone out and text D group to the number on the screen. 
God might be working in your heart in, in different ways this morning. You can, you're always welcome to come and pray at this altar about anything that's on your heart. We know there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, in Afghanistan and in Haiti, flooding that's going on here locally and other parts of our state. All these things that might be burdens on your heart that you want to pray, you're always welcome to come and pray at the altar. But however God is speaking to your heart this morning, now's the time for us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, for the challenge that you have put before us. Lord, for the accountability that we can have in our walk with you to help spur us on to good works, to help us to grow closer in our walk with you. And so, God, I pray that today that all across this room we'd be taking those next steps, that we would be moving along in our discipleship journey. And, God, for those that this is the day that you're, that they're beginning this journey by trusting in Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would come today calling on you for forgiveness. For those taking that second step, becoming part of your church here, God, I pray they would come. Those that are on their phones right now, texting D group, that's great. God, we want to know about what's going on in D groups and, and people taking that next step. But God, move in our hearts during this time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.